Welcome back to the Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, and today, like always, twice every week, we're going to bring information for you before, during, and after divorce and all things regarding family law. And make sure, as you know, this is not legal advice. You want to schedule a consultation with an attorney uh, that practices exclusively in family law like we do. And I'm joined by repeat guest Melissa up in Minnesota. Welcome. Thanks, Scott. Nice to be back. So um, we want to talk about something, and as I always mention in my podcast, before, during, and after. That's such a, I mean, it rings true, and you, there's, a, there's a strategy both as you think about uh, information before, during, and after, and then preparation before, during, and after, and what do you do, and today is no different. We want to talk about controlling your case before, during, and after. So uh, let's talk about before filing. I, we, I've talked about strategy. I've talked about preparation for war. Um, what do you suggest for guys before uh, they file their case and, and getting control of their case? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of big things. One is a kind of a repeat from the last thing that you and I talked about uh, with custody evaluations, but get involved. It's, it's one of those things where if you want to ask the court for significant parenting time or you want an equal schedule, you got to know what's going on with your kids. You got to know who their doctors are. You got to know who their dentists are. Go to those appointments if you're able to do that. Same thing with conferences in school. You got to be involved in school make it to their conferences, or if your job doesn't allow for that, then follow up with the teacher by email. They're pretty good about that. Make sure you're communicating to the other co-parent and ask them if they have any tidbits that they got from the conferences and be on the online portal. Most schools, from what I gather, have that at this point. So you can track your kids' assignments and see how they're doing. The other big one is in a divorce situation, especially, know what you have and keep important documents. So obviously people have different roles in their families and some people keep finances more than others. But if you walk in for an initial intake in one of our offices, it's really helpful if you know, generally speaking, how much equity you have in your house, what other assets and debts you have. It really helps us to issue spot from the very start of your case so that we can help you and guide you throughout. And especially if you're in a uh, newer or a second marriage situation, get those documents in advance. So mm -hmm. at least in Minnesota, we're a separate property state. And so people have non-marital interests, meaning that they may have money that they had prior to the marriage that they get to keep that's not factored into the division of the ultimate assets and debts and, and property division. So um, you know, if you had retirement before you got married, or if you had a house that you bought and sold and it was your premarital property, you gotta make sure that you have those documents so you can properly trace your non-marital claim. That's what's important, at least in Minnesota law, in terms of tracing your non-marital claims so that you walk away with potentially more than the other person, depending on what your non-marital value was. So a lot of banks and mortgage companies don't keep those records long-term. So if you don't have them already, go get them so that you know, 10, 15 years down the road, Nobody ever expects to get divorced, but if you do, mm -hmm. you've got what you need when you need it. You know, the age-old question everyone asks, well, you know, how do I save money? How do I spend less in fees? You know, what's it going to cost? And, and the tip you just gave about, you know, gathering documents and knowing what you have and being prepared even for that first consult, those are the types of, types of things and the steps that you're going to be taking to save on attorney's fees because you may come in just you know, ill-prepared, unprepared, whatever it is. And now we're going to have to give you a list or we're going to have to go subpoena it, which means we spend time, which means you spend money. It's a great, great tip to save money right there. Yep, absolutely. And that goes through your, your case as well. You know, if you do the legwork, 
you're going to save on attorney's fees. If we don't have to follow up with you 12 times for documents, or if you, if we ask for a bank statement and you give us a screenshot, then we'll have to probably follow up and say, Hey, the other side's going to ask for a full statement. I need a full statement from you. Yeah. Um, so you'll typically get a list of documents, like you said, from us to say, here's what we need from you in order to set up what the assets and, and debts look like. So if you can do that legwork, you're absolutely going to save a lot on costs mm-hmm. and also, you know, set yourself up for the best argument you can make for what you should get and have the yeah. most accurate picture of that. And you don't want to blow past, you know, as you opened this topic about attending conferences and doctor appointments and parent teacher, whatever it is, getting to know them. That is so critical. I can tell you, gosh, you know, I've been doing this for 28 years. And one of the first lawyers I remember I watched, he cross-examined this person and destroyed them. It just in those simple things. They wanted the court to, to really get the perception that they were involved, that they were always an involved parent. And the first questions were, okay, what's the teacher's name? Silence. You know, um, what's the dentist's name? When's the last time you went to the doctor? In fact, let me show you a record that says mom presented the child. You know, those are things that are just so critical. You have to transform your life. I mean, you may have an arrangement at home where your spouse does those things, or maybe you both work and you split duties and things. Now it's you just have to take on more. It's just a huge, huge tip to not, you know, gloss over as you begin thinking about filing and even through the duration of the case, right? Yeah, and I hate to say it this way, but parenting's hard. Like being a parent is really hard and you gotta be involved and you should be involved, right? You know, like that's why you have kids. You want you want to spend that time with them, but you gotta know what's going on with them. And you should. I mean, if they ask questions, they gotta know that you're there for them and that you're following along. And if they're struggling in school, be there to help yeah. them, you know, be there to pick them up. Yeah. I mean, for their own support, I mean they, you know, the transition's difficult and you know, to see both parents involved, it's going to help anyway, aside from your strategy and positioning in your case. So I think that's, that's critical. We've talked about it in seminars. You know, it's just a difference. You have, to, you know, there are coaches out there. It's really interesting. There was someone in Houston that I was speaking with, and she's basically a coach for guys as they transition in divorce and how to become more organized and positioning and more involved. And it is. Parenting is hard. And we get into ruts or patterns where you know your spouse may do certain things and you don't do any of it but now that you're getting divorced you got to do it all each of you and so it is hard and it's hard to know what to do but i think that's a great tip and so let's kind of move to the duration or in the middle of the case during the proceeding what are your best tips in terms of what they should do to control their case during the proceeding i think one of the biggest tips that i tend to give clients is keep your instigation or your involvement in the conflict to a minimum as much as possible. So going through a divorce or a high conflict custody case is incredibly difficult. It's a roller coaster of emotions. It can be so hard to manage, especially you know long-term marriages or long-term relationships where the other side knows how to poke you and you know how what gets their buttons as well. So if there's a party doing a whole bunch of ridiculous things like pulling money out of bank accounts or withholding kids for parenting time, it can feel like you need to do the same thing back. It can feel like that, you know, she's doing it. Why can't I do it? But the problem is if you walk into court and say, here are three awful things that this person did. But after that, you did this fourth thing that was just as bad as any one of the three, then to a judge, it can look like you're both creating issues. It's just like that sibling issue of, you know, the little 
the younger one pokes the older one and then mm-hmm. it's the older one that always gets in trouble. It's the same type of thing. So even if the other person is the one who's causing issues more often, if you're involved in it, it's going to diminish your case when you walk into court. Yeah, it's so easy. You know, divorce is, you know, first and foremost, uh, emotionally distressing. <clears throat> and they know how to push your buttons, as you suggest, and they're going to do it. And, and you know, the thing that you have to think about is your jury, I always say your jury, who is your judge, is watching everything you do, which means all your communications, all your interactions, uh, be businesslike. And which means like, I always say, don't do anything in email that you don't want the judge to see, you know, all capitals, F you, you know, whatever it is, it's the things you just have to bite your tongue and, you know, go to the gym, go beat a punching bag, do whatever, take your fury out on something where the judge doesn't see it, right? It's so hard to do. It is so hard to do, and I know that. And and I talk to clients all the time about that. Ultimately, you can't control what the other person is going to do or say or how they're going to react in emails and text messages. If they want to write in all caps and they're yelling at you in all caps, let them. Your response should absolutely be as businesslike as possible and focused on the actual issue. So, you know, an example is if your kid needs new shoes. Talk about the shoes. Don't go into, well, you never bought them anything, and I always do the school shopping, and that's not helpful. It's not necessary. Honestly, kill them with kindness and kill them with logistics. Johnny needs new shoes. I can take them on Tuesday on my parenting time, or you can take them this weekend. I'm comfortable spending $30 or less. Let me know your thoughts. Plain, simple, to the point. Yeah, what's right um, in a relationship doesn't necessarily mean what's right strategically in your case. You know, it is that, as you suggest, shoes. It's like, of course it's not right. You both should share that expense. Or, you know, I get it, you know, I'm buying all the clothes and, or she never sends me back with any clothes. So I have to buy a whole second set and I get it. You know, divorce is terrible and no one wins. It's degrees of losing, but it's all about how do you get to point from point A to point Z with the least damage to yourself, you know? And right. You know, if you're running on a flat tire, how do you get there? And you know, do you just wreck the car because you have a flat tire or do you, you know, do what you can to get to, you know, get the, the tire replaced or repaired? So I think that's huge. And we mentioned the whole point of saving money. And again, you can't um, underemphasize the ability of a client to help and do some of the legwork and save some money. And it's maybe easier for them to get it and help you in your case, right? Yes, absolutely. Like we talked about, your case will take longer it'll cost you a whole lot more if it takes too long to collect documents you know especially when you're talking a divorce situation and we want to put it on a balance sheet we want to be able to see here's what everybody has here's who's getting what and who owes who on the bottom line so in order for us to do that we really need to see what you have and each side can say you know here's what we have but having those documents gives us something when the other side says no i think there was more in that account then you have that document to back it up Um, And sometimes there's nuanced questions that come out of those, you know, people will say I have a 401k, but they had forgotten that they took a loan or they didn't disclose that they had a loan and you can see it in the document or you see it in a paycheck stub and you need the information from the actual statement. So the more a client can do that legwork and come in with something that gives you something to work with, the smoother their case will go. So, which brings us to after the case and there, you know, the unfortunate part of divorce and when you have kids. If you have no kids and you're not paying spousal support, 
it's like, you know, having your leg amputated. You never see it again. You never have to worry about it. The problem with divorce with kids or you're paying spousal support is you may have 10, 15, 20 years, depending upon the age of your kids, of dealing with your ex. Let's just say you don't enjoy dealing with them and you can't get along. But the problem is, is you've got to do certain things post-divorce to make sure that you don't have something that comes back to haunt you, like a motion to modify because you're not doing certain things. Uh, so what would those things be that you would recommend in terms of tips about thinking post-divorce that they should be thinking about to control the future of their case? If two main ones. One is take the parenting time you're rewarded in your decree. So whether that's by an agreement that you reached and you put into a court order, or if a judge makes a decision in your case, whether you like it or not, take the time that you are awarded with your kids, especially in a situation where you want to ask later for more time. Or if you have really little kids who you know, are on a certain schedule and you want to ask for an equal schedule once they get into kindergarten or something like that, you can't show a court or a mediator or the other party, frankly, that you should get more time if you don't take what you have already. So that's tip number one. The other one is uh, very similar, but ultimately follow the other terms of your decree. If your order says you can't drink on parenting time, don't do it. Just don't. You're, you're creating an opportunity for the other parent to use that against you later. And you may think that they won't find out. They will. Kids are not the greatest reporters, but they are absolutely reporters nonetheless. So don't set yourself up for that. And on the financial side, with spousal maintenance type of cases and, and child support, frankly, pay your obligations. And, and that's hard. I mean, I, I get when we calculate these, you see it on paper and you're like, I don't make that much, but do everything you can to pay the obligations that you're supposed to. Sometimes whether you agree with it or not, because ultimately you're, you're setting yourself up for something in the future where you could have garnished wages. You could, in Minnesota, they can go after your driver's license. Yeah. That may be changing. But those types of things can happen down the road or they can garnish your retirement down the road. I've had that happen if you don't pay your obligations. Yeah. I mean, I know that that anger when you're done spills over, I'll, I'll get back at them and I'm not going to do this or I'll do that. And, and it, ultimately, it's just going to hurt you in the future. Uh, they're looking for an opportunity to modify. They're looking for an opportunity to bring you back to court. And the last thing you want to do is spend more money on attorneys. I mean, frankly, you just want to be done. And so I get it. And that's, it's great advice. So good stuff today, as usual, appreciate it. You know, when we think about before, during and after there, it simply doesn't end when it's all over. Um, and you know, you certainly have a lot of work to do before it starts. So great tips, Melissa. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Well, continue to tune in. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go to Apple iTunes. You can subscribe and you'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Next week, we'll be addressing the questions that went unanswered at our last virtual town hall. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out uh, the town hall at CordellCordell.com. Every month, you can log in, log on, and ask questions live of a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys for about an hour and get answers right then and right there. And the registration is free, but you have to register. So coming up in September, we'll be doing another virtual town hall for about an hour on topics for guys before, during, and after divorce. So until then, have a great week.